Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And we're speaking with Dr. Morjani, who is making his second appearance on the Lisa Wexler Show because the first time he was so great. He's with Northwell Health. And Northern Westchester Hospital is one of our proud sponsors. The doctor is in at 203-333-9422. We're talking about infectious diseases. Hi, Dr. Marjani. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for that kind introduction. Sure. So, all right, doctor, let me go first to a caller who wants to ask you, uh, is is the taking of an antihistamine something that can make you more susceptible to getting COVID? Uh, not true at all. In fact, uh, a lot of people are taking antihistamines for various allergies and uh, for other conditions, and there has been no uh, database uh, support for that view that antihistamines predispose you to getting COVID more easily or at a higher rate. Okay, good to know. By the way, doctor, since we last spoke, I got COVID first time in August, and I didn't take Paxlovid because my doctor thought that I would be fine without it, and I was. I had every symptom you could have over the course of a week, you know, starting with the achiness and then the congestion and then the loss of taste and smell. I got that at the end for several days. It was a little scary, by the way. I couldn't even smell horseradish. Freaked me out because I have a nuclear nose. I have a really strong nose. But everything came back and was good. I will tell you, however, that it took me weeks, weeks for my energy to be restored. In other words, I worked a full day. But instead of me being able to go like the Ever-Ready battery till twelve one in the morning, 5, 6 o'clock, I had to put my feet up and go to bed. Yeah, so this long COVID syndrome, which lasts for either weeks or months, you know, after getting COVID is now well described. And we are starting to see some science behind it with respect to levels of cortisol, with level with the hyperstimulation of the histamine system, whether it's the histamine one pathway or the two pathway. So we're starting to get some knowledge and science behind this so we can tackle it properly. Now, of course, individuals have different presentations and may require different interventions. But the good news is that there is something we can now do about it. 
Well, that's good. Well, so let me tell you. So I got COVID. Then my husband got COVID first time. And so he was he took Paxlovid on the advice of our doctor because Bill has different health risks and a different health profile than I do. And then he was well. He felt great. And then he had the Paxlovid rebound. And the second time he was sicker than the first time. Yes, yeah, so we now also know what Paxlovid rebound is. There was actually a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine looking at this Paxlovid-related rebound. And it really is not a reinfection. It's not a relapse of an infection. It is just the inflama- inflammatory system of the body reacting to the infection. And in some people, 2 or 3% of people who take Paxlovid, uh, once you stop taking Paxlovid, there, there is a rebound in the inflammation. And it's not any different from those who have not taken Paxlovid, but because people have taken Paxlovid, they've gotten better. They now expect that they're going to continue to improve, and then for a day or two, they get worse, and then it improves. You don't need to take more Paxlovid there. No, you he just didn't. You need right. good supportive care, symptomatic relief with Tylenol right. and with, exactly. with uh, decongestants, and you'll be just fine. So many, many people who have been through Paxlovid, what is called the Paxlovid rebound, uh, have not received another prescription for antivirals and have done just fine. And that study now is now available uh, and published in uh, New England Journal of Medicine. So we now know what to do about this as well. So with time and and knowledge and science, we now have tools where we can tackle COVID almost completely from beginning to the end. And we now know at least what to do about these symptoms that continue to ravage people who who are suffering from COVID and after that. We're chatting with Dr. Morjani, 203-333-9422. Doctor, do you agree with President Biden's statement on Sunday that the pandemic aspect of COVID is over? Well, you know, I said this a a month ago because it's clear to me that we we are now moving from the pandemic phase to the endemic phase. And the numbers actually support what he's suggesting. The CDC will, of course, make its own uh, determinations and will come out with a with a assessment very soon, I'm sure. But if you look at the COVID numbers, we are now down to 50,000, 55,000 cases a day. Hospitalizations are down. In fact, there is nobody in the hospital today with COVID, active COVID. And even if you are getting COVID, most people who are vaccinated are doing fine and just need to do symptomatic care and, of course, sepacol gargles or Listerine gargles, which has now been shown to kill the virus in your oropharynx. Oh, uh, that's and, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so Don't skip that, over the big me, news. Let, wait a minute. You're <laughs> telling me sepacol and Listerine lozenges kill the virus? No, not lozenges. I said sepacol and Listerine gargles. gargles. The study was published in Nature earlier oh. this year from Germany. They looked at warm saline gargles. They looked at chlorhexidine which is very irritating, of course. Yes. And they looked at Listerine and Sepacol, and they used these mouthwashes as gargles. So when you gargle two or three times a day, you kill most of the virus in your oropharynx, which is most of the virus initially in your body anyway, because that's where the virus gains entry into your system. So if you kill most of the virus there, the amount of virus that's left over to cause illness is much less. And we know severity of COVID is related to the amount of virus in your body. So you're essentially turning this disease into a mild illness that your body can then, you know, respond to and defend against and get you cured. So this study showed that warm saline gargles don't do anything. Uh, Chlorhexidine gargles do, but chlorhexidine can be 
you know, irritating and, and it's not something that you should do without talking to your provider. But Sepacol and Listerine is available over the counter. Sure. Sepacol kills 99% of the virus in the oropharynx with the gargling. And the gargle is supposed to be for 20 to 30 seconds. Okay. Now, one has to be careful because these are mouthwashes, so they fill foam. And when you foam, you could choke. So be careful. Ah. And so, you know, once you're careful, it is very easy to do. And then Listerine kills 50% of the virus, according to the study, in your oropharynx. So, you know, I've talked about this in the ending of the uh, pandemic for the last month, month and a half. And I'm convinced that we are in the endemic phase. This virus will continue to be with us, but in a situation where the death rates are going to be close to zero, where we can handle this, we can make this disease a mild disease in almost everybody, especially in those who are vaccinated. So the story here is the vaccines have turned this pandemic into an endemic, and we we should encourage everybody that has not taken the vaccine for COVID to take it now. And for those that have not had the Omicron variant disease, they should go and take their new bivalent booster, which is now available all over the place. Let me ask you about that. All right. First of all, very important. So in the morning, what you're suggesting as we go through different seasons is we gargle, not mouthwash, but go gargle with the sepacol or the Listerine as opposed to the swish. You want us to gargle. That's Correct. the difference. Okay, very. I never and not knew just this. in the morning, morning, and then afternoon, and and just before going to bed, so that if you have acquired any COVID, you can clearly kill a lot of it and turn that disease into a mild disease. Fantastic. All right, let me ask you this: having just gotten COVID, and a lot of people having just getting over getting COVID this summer. Yeah. Are we are we assuming we've already been vaccinated and we've had COVID? Are we being advised to get another booster this year for COVID? So, you know, Lisa, this is a very interesting question, and the science is still evolving around it. But uh, we are now realizing, based on the studies and the knowledge and, and the science that we have, is that it is all about the COVID imprint on your immune system. And so if you've had the Omicron disease, especially the Omicron 4 and 5 disease, the benefit of the vaccine is still unclear. Now, the thinking is that it will still boost your immunity, and so it will still protect you against not only a reinfection with Omicron, but also with subsequent variants which continue to evolve with antigenic drifts that occur in the virus's genetic code. So I recommend that everybody take their Omicron booster, really? the new bivalent okay. booster, whether you've had the oh. disease recently or not. Okay. Go ahead and do it. But individually, everybody should talk to their provider. To their doctor. But you're, but you're not seeing a downside. You're not seeing a, you know, sort of a rebound of getting the disease from taking the vaccine. You know, Lisa, it's actually the exact opposite. What we have realized over the last two years with the vaccination program for COVID is that these vaccines are incredibly effective and incredibly safe. And it is because of the worldwide vaccinations that we have been able to shut this pandemic down and turn it into an endemic disease and be able to manage it. Vaccinated people, even if they get the disease, they get it very mild and they don't go to the hospital, they're not admitted, and they don't have mortality from it. There's a huge lesson to be learned. And with these billions of mRNA vaccines being given out around the world, we have seen minuscule, isolated instances of adverse events, most of which if not all of which, 
can be easily managed if reported to the physician as long as the physician is aware of what is happening and manages it properly. Dr. Morjani, I don't want to let you go. I have to ask you a couple more things. First of all, you know that polio, and we've talked about this, you were the first doctor I had on to talk about this, uh, is something that appears to be of greater concern uh, among health authorities. It's been found now in the water of Nassau County as well as Rockland and Orange. Uh, Are you concerned about it, Dr. Morjani? Oh, absolutely. It's it's a concern, but not something that should be unduly worrisome because we have the tools to handle it. And I think, you know, we have a vaccine that is 100% effective. You can't get any better than that with zero side effects. And we should encourage everybody that has either not received the vaccine before or has received, you know, two doses and not the third dose or incomplete vaccination to go ahead and get the injectable polio vaccine. There are no major adverse events related to the injectable polio vaccine. We live in a global economy. We live in a global world, and we are going to have people with wild-type and vaccine-derived polioviruses circulating in their system that will get into the wastewater, and then it's a matter of chance and probability before it infects somebody that is susceptible, like we saw in the Rockland case. And one in a hundred will go on to develop paralytic polio. polio. So for those that are immunized... There's no issue whatsoever. I know. I just want to hear you say it. You're right. I got a question from a listener here. I got to go back to COVID for a minute. Um, This listener has had a um, back problem as a result of COVID. A lot of pain in his back that he never had before. Really very bad debilitating back. And the doctors are saying that it was a side effect of COVID. Is there anything that you could offer in the way? And now he's being treated you know, by people that treat bad backs. But is there anything that you could offer in the way of medical advice with respect to some of the lingering side effects from having had COVID, where the respiratory clears up and everything else clears up, but something has settled in the body, in this case, in the back? So if you take a step back, Lisa, COVID is a pro-inflammatory disease. It makes inflammation in your body worse. So if your body is already inflamed in a joint, in the back, for example, in this then COVID will make that inflammation worse. And so it's not like COVID causes back pain. Now, it can, COVID can very rarely uh, infect or affect the functioning of the nerves that come out from your spinal cord and lead to back pain. But that's exceedingly rare, and that usually improves. What it does more often is make the existing inflammation worse. So if the patient already had degenerative arthritis or whatever the cause of that back pain was, it potentially could make that worse. But again, the providers for this patient should be able to handle that by down-regulating the inflammatory pathway and by treating whatever else was the cause of the back pain to begin with. And, you know, again, there are now a lot of people working on the neurological complications of flu and how to manage that, and data is now available and so I, I would encourage this patient to go see a, a neurologist that has, has done some work on uh, COVID-related neurological issues. The Columbia uh, Presbyterian Neurolo- Neurology Division and the Northwell uh, Neurology Division are both working on this and have really? lots of uh, pro- providers and physicians who are experts in this. And I would highly encourage this patient to to. Uh, Talk to their own provider and see if tertiary care evaluation or reevaluation may be helpful. 
So you're saying that there are neurologists now who are studying the impact of COVID on the nerves, on, on these kinds of secondary issues, and, yes. they, and one is at Columbia and one is at Northwell? That's correct. There may be others. I, I'm just not aware of All right. Of them. Well, off I'm air, sure off, off air, I may ask you for a name. Uh, Marlene from Stratford has a question for you, Dr. Morjani. Hi, Marlene. Welcome. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good. I love WICC. I listen constantly. Thank you. You're on anyway, the air with the doctor. Um, Go ahead. Thank you. Um, four days after my husband had the first COVID vaccine, he passed away. Oh, my. Now, um, there are, um, he's 65 years old. He was, he, um, very healthy man, never got diagnosed with any kind of heart issues. Um, and the 450 people who came to see him, um, all were shocked. We were all shocked. Man was always considered in incredible shape. Um, his doctor, I spoke to his doctor. There was no indication that was anything wrong with him at all. And, um, you know, my my son, like, immediately drew the connection and now refuses to take, you know, any of the vaccinations. Well, the boosters, he already had the two. But the boosters, and he doesn't, and he won't give it to his children either, Um he really reacted extremely to this situation, which honestly, I don't blame him. And uh, he has found, and uh, of course it's not really out there, other instances of people of this situation. So um, I, I, I really would, I think the biggest problem I have with everything is that it feels like no one admits that there are things they don't know. And especially early on when we were told to take the vaccine, etc., nobody was saying, well, we expect this to do this, we expect it to do that. They all were like just saying, you got to take the shot and then you'll be fine, or you won't get it, or the chances of you getting it is so low. They didn't really go into the fact that things do happen even though you take the vaccine. Mar- Marlene, what was the what did the death certificate say was the cause of death? Um, well, it's defined as um, uh, what is it called? Uh, the widowmaker. So a heart attack. On the death certificate. Heart attack. Yes. Is right. it, it okay. says on the death certificate so that it was is the, the the bad one, the heart attack, the very bad massive heart yes. attack. So is yes, it is yes. it possible that we have something that happened and something else that happened, but not a causal effect between what happened and the heart attack? Or you, you really believe that the vaccine caused the heart attack? Well, there were a couple of my there were a couple of um, answers to that question uh, online when there was a lot of research done, um, but it wasn't really. You know, it really did say that there are other people who also did die, and and there were numbers. I mean, it wasn't just one or two. I mean, we, there are numbers. And well, we let's ask Dr. Morjani to answer it. Marlene, I'm very right. sorry for your untimely loss for your husband. I really am. Dr. Morjani, what do you have to say to Marlene? 
So, Marlene, uh, my deepest condolences. I'm so very sorry to hear this. Uh, you know, I know how difficult it is to deal with the loss of a of a spouse. Uh, having said that, you know, we've, there's been, as you alluded to, lots and lots of studies now published looking at whether the vaccine played a role uh, specifically in heart attacks and and the causal effect has not been found. In fact, the reverse is true. Uh, people who did not get the vaccine, had, there is a background rate of heart-related mortalities in this country. And they've done these well-matched studies with cohorts, both prospectively and now retrospectively. And there's been no signal found. If you think about it, if, if this vaccine even caused heart attack in one out of 10,000 or 100,000 people, there would be a signal that would emerge in the VAERS database. And it is, in fact, not true. The death rate in, from heart attacks, specifically from heart attacks, in those that relieved the vaccine, numerically, not statistically significant, but numerically was lower. So, you know, it, and no causative etiology or science or pathway has been found. But you're absolutely right that uh, we didn't know initially what this vaccine would do. And it was a public health emergency. I mean, we were seeing hundreds and thousands of people die, and I was part of that whole disaster, April to August 2020, where I was going into the hospital every day, seeing 100, 120 COVID patients personally, and saying that, you know, this is awful. This, I mean, it's just worse than awful. I still have uh, nightmares about that. But having said that, you know, uh, we needed uh, the vac we knew the vaccine was going to be the answer. In retrospect, it has been the answer. No question about it. And, uh, you know, your husband had a heart attack four days after the vaccine. Did the vaccine have a role to play? I don't know. Uh, and should there have been a warning about this? I don't think so because we have not seen any evidence to that effect. A warning can only be issued when there is evidence, and it has to be evidence-based. We are in the era of evidence-based medicine. But in an emergency situation, you know, you're absolutely right. There was no knowledge up front. So, again, my deepest condolences to you and your family on your husband's passing away untimely. Thank you very Lisa much. Said. Marlene, thank you for the call. Dr. Morjani, thank you for joining us today. It's always, it's always, I always learn something. And today I learned about gargling with Sepacol, 99%, or gargling with Listerine at 50% as part of a general hygiene measure when we brush our teeth in the morning and the evenings as a way to keep away, I guess, a lot of bacteria, not just COVID. So that's really good to know. And I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope that you'll come back on again from Northwell Health and Northern Westchester Hospital. Thank you so much. Sure, Lisa. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.